0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, new edition of the show. We're breaking down every AFC team today, and by we, I mean myself and PFF's finest, Kevin Cole. Kevin, we've done these thursday pods throughout the season i thought they were good and then we decided why only talk once a week we're gonna talk twice and we're gonna have you know a little bit more of a plan this time although i know you are a fan of a little bit of improv here and there but basically now throughout the rest of the season on wednesday we're gonna be going through each and every team the afc and then each and every team the nfc going over some real life stuff looking ahead to match up a little bit getting some fantasy plays just a bunch of cool shit man why the hell not
1: yeah, let, let's do it. And let me tell you, I, I I like the improv, but I also prepared. I have notes here for all of these different AFC teams, except for one. For one team, there are no notes, but there's a section there um, with just my dried tears. There's <laughs> nothing but my dried tears. Can you guess which team in the AFC just has my dried tears there?
0: Um. Texans are they that gross? But I feel yeah, like you, I want, mean, to be, you not, want to be to over them.
1: We're not crying too much over over the Texans, I don't think. I'll give you. I'll give you one more guess. Colts, not close, but you know whatever. I think Pittman will be fine when he comes back. This Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. Nothing but dried tears there. I mean, like N- Najee Harris. This guy was a late first round pick and then a second round pick. I mean, Deontay Johnson. I guess you're still starting him, right? You got no choice. So you're you're, you're starting him, although. He's, you know, maybe like a wide receiver three-ish sort of guys this season. Uh, Pickens and Claypool are almost unstartable at this point. Just a lot of bad, a lot of bad. Fryermuth, I mean, whatever. You might get lucky and get a touchdown every week, but just a lot of bad going on over there.
0: I actually uh, tweeted right before the show how Deontay Johnson through two games, 13 catches for 112 scoreless yards. I've never been more convinced that he's truly an elite receiver, Kevin. But unfortunately, <laughs> that's life uh, with Mitch Trubisky under center. More on the Steelers in just a bit. Let's kick things off with the basically, you know, Super Bowl favorites right now. The Bills 2-0 right now, looking unstoppable. And Kevin, Stephon Diggs, the NFL's wide receiver one at this point. I know we talk about Tyreek and Devontae Adams and everything, but it did seem weird, like real life and fantasy, how he just didn't seem to be in that top, top tier. A lot of people had him ranked fourth going into the season. No one's saying Stephon Diggs is bad, but for your money's worth, Kevin, Stephon Diggs, the wide receiver one in the NFL.
1: Uh, I'm gonna say no I mean I, I think it's as good as anyone maybe talent wise if you want to talk about that sort of thing I would have trouble ranking him above you know Cooper Cup probably even Justin Jefferson I know Justin Jefferson had the other team was catching all of his targets last uh last week so that didn't help but I just put him in that next category and just you can't say he's definitively I think below anyone else in the NFL right now other than maybe those two guys from a fantasy perspective.
0: Pure madness so far. He's caught 20 of 23 targets, 270 yards, four touchdowns. The number one fantasy player, regardless of position. Fantastic matchup this week. They're going to Miami. Buffalo a five and a half point favorite. Game total, whoo, 53. Expecting plenty of points to be going up there. With that said, we know Josh's in there. We know Dix is in there. What other, it's weird, man. We have arguably the best offense in the league, and other than Diggs and Allen, we can't really feel good about anyone if Gabriel Davis is going to be out again. We had Jake Kumaro actually leading all the wide receivers and snaps. I think a lot of us were hoping McKenzie and Crowder would just kind of take that role. The three-headed backfield continues to persist, so it's weird, Kevin, but again, other than Stefan Diggs and if he's active Gabriel Davis, I don't think we can feel good about any of these skill position players. Dawson Knox to an extent, but you know what?
1: Yeah, I mean, Dawson Knox, we talked about him a little bit last week where he is, a, he's, you know, a guy attached to a high powered offense. So that's good, but he's not necessarily a reliable option. Kumaro played a lot of snaps, but he seemed to take the, the role that gets Gabe Davis a lot of snaps. Or one of the roles that gets Gabe Davis a lot of snaps is the fact that he's pretty good at blocking. So he can get in there and block and do those sorts of things. He's not really a fantasy option. So I think you're right. It's Diggs it's Gabe Davis when he comes back and then Crowder and McKenzie are just cannibalizing each other and maybe you get a touchdown from one of those guys other than that you're you just you just have to be basically playing roulette to decide you know which week to play one versus the other
0: tough to take too much from their snap counts because that game was literally over at the end of the third or by the end of the third quarter uh last week but yeah right now my highest rank running back for the bills devin singletary rb 33 not great not exactly what you'd expect but again this has kind of been the josh allen experience it goes to show you really how a dual threat quarterback incredible for himself incredible for the team sometimes not so much for his team's running
1: backs. well i mean last week was really disappointing just one quick thing allen had one rushing attempt that scramble where he converted i think on their first drive and he, oh. you know did a cartwheel flip over somebody <laughs> he didn't he didn't run other than that and they were you mentioned they it was close in the first half but they were up substantially in in the second half so this is almost like a best case scenario thing and still nothing out of the backfield
0: yeah, it was in the Titans got absolutely, you know, killed by Saquon Barkley on the ground in week one, too. So maybe just maybe uh, Josh Jacobs bounce back week. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Yeah, Miami, I mean, that's where the running back position is, right? right I know, we're talking Josh Jacobs already. And I'm generally excited about it, too. All right. We got the Miami Dolphins. Talk of the league right now sitting there at 2-0. Tua coming off the six touchdowns and just really fun stuff from Mike McDaniel so far. Look, Kevin, I'm not sold on Tua being this elite, elite top 10 quarterback already, but what I am more and more sold on is both Hill and Jalen Waddle being absolute ballers and just Mike McDaniel kind of living up to the hype of being one of the next great minds through two weeks now. Number one in play action rate. Number one shift motion rate. I know those don't exactly equal fantasy points, but we consistently see the smartest and best offenses in the league usually ranking towards the top of those categories. So what are your overall impressions on the Mike McDaniel offense and where do you stand on Tua, man? Because I feel like you either got to be all in, or you got to be, you know, a complete slanderer. And I keep saying I don't think people are going to be chilling on the Tua deep ball until we have literal GPS coordinates telling us that like Tyreek didn't have to slow down. Of course, the fantasy land style points don't matter, but first two weeks of Tua, Mike McDaniel, how are you feeling?
1: Uh, I'm feeling good, primarily because my takes are looking pretty good. I was gonna, <laughs> I called Tua. 2017 Alex Smith that was my take going into the season and this is what it is remember Alex Smith was the greatest deep passer in the history of football <laughs> that year but you know it helps when you have Tyreek Hill running wide open so I like Tua doesn't have the Josh Allen upside he doesn't have the Patrick Holmes upside Justin Herbert all those guys but in this offense the way they're playing it can be successful I think the most important thing though for McDaniel in this office we'll see if it continues I don't know if it'll continue or not But right now, the Dolphins are third in their pass percentage over expectation. They're 10% over expectation not something you would have necessarily associated with this style of offense the Shanahan tree all that stuff but that just lifts all boats when it comes to the passing game combined with the efficiency that you're going to get whether it's yards after catch or guys down the field that means you don't have to be great you have you have volume and you have explosive receivers you don't have to be great to be a fantasy asset even if he's not going to give you a lot on the ground which we didn't really expect Tua without any rushing production would equal something this season
0: And that's kind of the only reason why I don't think he's going to fly too high up the fantasy ranks. This week, I have him QB 13, still very much in that tier with Rodgers, Brady, Burrow, and Cousins. But hey, someone that, again, regularly was going outside the top 17, 18 QBs not that long ago. Obviously, really on the rise. Tough matchup this week, though. I think we're going to find out. No
1: joke. No joke. I mean, for all all the things we say about the Buffalo offense, I would say the defense is probably a more important. Important surprise as far as I know they were good last year, but you don't know what's going to happen to a defense year after year. And the fact they're getting so much pressure last week, I had them getting a quick pressure so 2.5 or fewer seconds against Tannehill, 50% of his dropbacks, and they were only blitzing 10% of the time. It's crazy how much they're getting to quarterbacks these first two games.
0: I was about to say, I remember seeing the stats after week one and how much pressure they got and the fact that with no blitzing like that, obviously, you know, that's ideal, but most teams aren't able to do that. But most teams also don't have Von Miller, you know, playing like it's freaking 2015 all over again. So yeah, Bill's defense and chargers defense, man. Like sometimes we get so enamored with these quarterbacks for good reasons, but these defenses honestly come to play. That's the only reason why Tua and I think, uh, You know, some of these guys aren't necessarily higher this week. But the one shame that we have here in Miami, Kevin, is going to be this running back room. Really looked like Chase Edmonds was going to be the guy after week one. And now in week two, it looks like Raheem Mostert is going to be the guy moving forward. So, no, I'm not assuming that week two is going to look exactly like week three in this running back room. At a minimum, though, clearly Raheem Mostert is far more involved than I think we gave him credit for entering the season and week one. Do you really want anything to do with these guys this week, though? I think the highest one I have ranked is going to be Mostert by a hair, but I have him RB 39, Edmonds RB 40. It just feels like a stay away until we have some idea what's going on here.
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. I think going forward, it's going to be Mostert probably slightly ahead of Edmonds until there's an injury. And, um, I mean, sorry, you don't want to predict injuries for anyone, but we know Raheem has had his issues in the past. This week, it, it probably will flip a little bit closer, being game script questions, things like that that will come into play against the Bills. And I hope if you have Chase Edmonds, a lot of Chase Edmonds takes in the offseason, I hope you got your victory laps in after week one because it was quick. It was it, it turned it, – you you, you, you're on to a new victory lap on a different player this week. But get you, hope you got those in last week because if you didn't, you missed your chance probably for the
0: season. Patriots sitting at one and one. Hey, this offense last year, six ranked scoring offense through two weeks, they ranked 29th. We're kind of seeing the same thing in New England versus Dallas, where we have these running back situations that I think rightfully we were optimistic about going to the year, especially New England, if it could get down to two. The problem is, I think the the assumption we were putting into that ranking was Dallas being the reigning number one ranked scoring offense, New England being sixth. Do you think Mac Jones and company are going to turn around? Because honestly, Kevin, it's been now like six straight weeks of – seeing this offense not look good. And then also hearing everything about training camp and not being good. And as fun as it is to blame every single mistake that Matt Jones makes on Matt, Patricia, like, are we going to see an improvement at some point or do you think this is just what the 2022 Patriots offense is? I think we'll see an improvement. I mean, in week
1: one, they had a couple of 50, 50 balls to Devontae Parker. Not only were there two incompletions, one was a tipped interception. Uh, you know, they had the strip sack, uh, for for six points in week one. And that Steelers defense played pretty well. They didn't sack uh, Mac Jones without TJ Watt there, but they still play. There's still tough defense on the back end there. So yeah, I think they can get it together. A sneaky positive development uh, for those of us, including me, we're still holding out hope on Ramondre Stevenson was the fact that with Ty Montgomery out, we'll see what what happens with that going forward. He did boost up to getting about 60% of the routes run in this game. So much higher than he was before. He didn't, he only got one catch, so he didn't have the production there, but at least from a usage perspective we're we're just hoping and praying that he is going to be that passing down guy. And then of course, at 230 pounds, he can do some of the stuff on first and second down too.
0: You know, it took a while to get here. I'm not so sure everyone's bold. Ramondre Stevenson's sleeper case in the offseason included all these retirements it's all life support. and injuries. I'm,
1: try- I'm trying to pump it back up. I'm with those, you know, I'm rubbing the things together and like pressing on the chest right now to, to, to get it going. And we saw some signs. We saw a couple little beeps, a couple of beeps on the heart monitor. Uh, this last week for at least he was running routes. No, exactly.
0: We're here now. It took a lot of things to happen to get here, but we're here at this point. So for me, Ramondre Stevenson, my RB22, because he's the pass catching back in a two running back committee right now. So I actually would be starting Stevenson over Claude Eversolaire, Miles Sanders, Zico Elliott, James Robinson, among others. And I don't think it's, you know, particularly close. He's going to be someone you literally can't sit if Damon Harris ends up being hurt. I don't think he is. We all saw him kind of get rolled up on at the end of that game. But literally in the postgame presser, his exact quote, I'm fine, dog. Look at me. I'm fine. And they had the exclamation points on that too, Kevin. So I really do think that Damon Harris. Was it one
1: or two exclamation points?
0: One after the dog, and then another one after. I'm fine. So like, come okay. on. All right. All
1: right. That's that's strong. That's strong. Okay. that's, that's
0: just a <laughs> that's just a usual workload, guaranteed at that point. Yeah. So, David Harris also, you know, good with this condensed backfield. Again, in the year 2022, we can live with two running back committees, three or four, like the Patriots usually do, or when things get annoying. Maybe Pierre Strong gets more involved as it goes on, but he's actually playing through a shoulder injury himself. Ty Montgomery still on IR, so for the time being. Both Stevenson and Harris are viable starts. Stevenson just gets the edge because of that pass down work. So this week they are facing the Ravens. Baltimore favored by three, game total of 43 and a half. Look, Kevin, I I don't need people to pull up my life betting record. I'm I'm well aware I'm not, you know, someone that's hitting these, uh, you know, bets at a 57% clip or whatever you need to be long-term profitable. Ravens only by three though, man. Like that just seems like a mismatch to me.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I was on another podcast yesterday where that was this guy's pick was Ravens three. I mean, it's okay, uh, but I guess I'm a little bit more positive about the Patriots going forward. The question will be for the Patriots here is. I saw some people getting excited about Jacoby Myers or at least and whatever. Everyone's you know, confirming their takes, I guess, on this. But like, let's just not talk about these guys. Can we just not talk about Patriots wide receivers? I don't care what happens in one individual game. In this last game, we had some of the routes go down for players because Kendrick Bourne was you know hanging out in the doghouse week one. So now he's back in. So you got Bourne out there. You got Aguilar out there. You got Devontae Parker out there. You got Jacoby Myers. Whatever happens one week, all it's going to do is ensure that you, if you decide to start someone, you start them the next week and they, and you missed it. You missed the one week that yeah. they had here. So let's just stay away. Let's not talk anymore in fantasy land about Patriots wide receivers. Thank you.
0: Talk about a team with a bunch of good wide receivers. The New York football Jets, one and one. Last week, Garrett Wilson obviously had his coming out party. Joe Flacco now, five straight games with at least 300 yards or multiple touchdown passes. Seems like he's going to be back under center at least for another week. The return date for Zach Wilson has seemingly been staying at week four. So looking past the Bengals matchup for a second, Kevin, what's this going to say about Zach Wilson? If he comes back, they've given him extra time to be healthy and he still can't move the ball in the offense because Flacco has shown us it's possible. He's shown us what Garrett Wilson can do. We saw Elijah Moore really break out more so with Flacco under center last season. Corey Davis does Corey Davis things from time to time, but Zach Wilson, man, I feel like this, unlike Justin Fields and the Bears, where like, who the hell knows, based on kind of this roster and team they put around them. I actually feel like by the end of the season, we'll know if Zach Wilson is the guy or not, or do you think it's still maybe too soon to tell?
1: No, I don't think it's too, too soon to tell. I mean, the, you mentioned the receivers they have, all that they spent on the offensive line. They brought in multiple tight ends. They have, uh, you know, offensive coordinator in from San Francisco. Again, another Shanahan guy who's solving everybody else's issues, but not for Zach Wilson. So I think we'll know. I just think, For fantasy purposes, like, I don't know, okay, I'm not endorsing anything, but, um, if you're familiar with jeff galuli you know jeff galuli is by any chance you may not know him so no. tanya harding uh nancy kerrigan situation you know f- for fantasy football purposes we might need to make sure you know zach has a little bit of an extended in- was in that your, the bodyguard guy
0: that actually
1: oh my god <laughs> that, was her, that, was her, that was her ex-husband actually who did that there okay I'm, okay i'll take that back we don't we don't need that to happen but take your time robert Sullivan. make sure his mind is right not just his body <laughs> the body you know the mind and the body a hand in hand the mind could take eight weeks it could take 10 weeks it could take the entire season to <laughs> It right okay I'm just letting you know now we can stick with Flacco I'm okay with that we have to
0: it is weird though again said so a lot of good things about Joe Flacco but ahead of this matchup at home against the Bengals since he five point favorites game total of 45 there's still nobody on the Jets offense that we feel really good about like yes Garrett Wilson shooting up the ranks I have him and Elijah Moore you know wide receiver 31 wide receiver 34 okay if you want to put him in the flex that's fine but Michael Carter and Brees Hall are now also giving up some reps to Ty freaking Johnson which I thought was maybe possible, but still, when you see it with your own two eyes, it doesn't really make that feeling uh, any easier. Tyler Conklin, yeah, I see the route rate, but come on here. This is still an offense going through the wide receivers. Like, again, I don't think we hate the offense. There's a lot of players we like, but none of these guys, Kevin, I feel really good about throwing in a fantasy lineup. If anyone, I'll give the nod to Garrett Wilson. But with that said, I'm not assuming that he's going to be working as the outright guy for Elijah Moore. Like, if you had to put, a you know, 20 bucks on any single offensive player in this offense now for this week, who would it be?
1: Uh, Elijah Moore would still, I've still put Elijah Moore ahead of Wilson. I mean, you know, Wilson right now, according to expected fantasy points calculation, I think he's third or fourth because he's had so many end zone targets. He has a ridiculous amount of end zone targets. Now he caught some of them last week, but he even had them the first week in additional ones that he didn't catch last week. So I don't know if that's a sticky sort of thing. We can't necessarily rely on that going forward. Corey Davis is, you know, he's out the window unless no one's guarding him. He's good. He's good in that sort of situation. And then the backfield. you mentioned Ty Johnson. I look back to see he was the two-minute guy at the end of the first and the end of the second half. That's just rough, really rough there because if you look at – Michael Carter, I think he's played well. I think he has played well enough to hold off Brees Hall. He had, I think, 25 routes to only seven for Hall last week. They had the same number of carries. So I'd like to be able to start Michael Carter if it wasn't for this Ty Johnson factor. And also, I'll, I'll harken back to when I called Michael Carter the, the discount CEH, and you guys laughed at me last year. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe CH is a discount Michael Carter
0: now. What do you think about well, that? You're literally laughing now, Kevin. So it's not even, uh, you know, not even something we have to worry about. I've
1: mentioned this multiple times, too. So I like to bring it up to you as, as often as I possibly can.
0: I like to think we'll be coming back to the same point next week. So AFC North now at the top for the time being, the Cleveland Browns at one and one. And Kevin, Jacoby Brissett was really good last week. I talked a lot of shit about him in week one. I talked a lot of shit about him throughout the offseason because I was just getting annoyed at the idea that, you know, healthy Jacoby Brissett was better than healthy Baker Mayfield. And I know week two didn't exactly help that argument for me with the way baker was playing but just focusing on jacoby i like to you know admit when i'm wrong here and at least for week two i was certainly wrong jacoby we only had five incompletions man like four of them literally were hitting the players in the hands i don't want to call them drops but like they were well thrown balls and then he threw an interception on the last play when they were just had nine seconds left to try to get in scoring position so i don't think this is going to be an every week thing we have seen enough of jacoby to know we're going to see some ups and downs but at a minimum man to see him have that connection with amari cooper All of a sudden, Cooper, my wide receiver 30. Still, again, I'm saying a lot of good things. Oh, yeah, I still have 29 players ranked ahead of this guy, but I feel a little bit better about Cooper and David Njoku at least being some sort of viable fantasy assets before Deshaun Watson gets there. What are your overall thoughts on Jacoby Myers and this Browns passing game right now?
1: Yeah, I think as far as it, you know, pre Watson, you can start Cooper if you draft him, he's startable, but don't expect. A week like last week going forward. They've had a really easy schedule so far. They have the easiest schedule in the NFL through two weeks for a team. So what we're going to expect going forward, we'll end up seeing. I mean, I guess the story, though, is – Nick Chubb right uh, RB1 even in PPR leagues just an absurd workload because he's fourth in expected touchdowns fourth and expected yards and then of course he's outperforming that vastly he's not getting involved in the receiving game at all so that's not like we're having some surprise there um, but he's just going through the roof as far as his scoring is there so I think you can obviously you're starting Chubb I think Hunt is always a guy who's you know in the mix to start depending upon who you have other than that Cooper and then there's not there's not gonna be much else really you're gonna look at.
0: And it's kind of new for Nick Chubb that he's actually ranking this time. I mean, he's actually tied for ninth right now with AJ Dillon and expected PPR points per game. Like the previous two years, he was literally outside the top 20 and it was like, yeah. that's why I didn't want to bet on Nick Chubb because betting on Nick Chubb was like, all right, he needs to be like the best running back in the league. Otherwise he's not going to have enough volume to get up there. Like the anti Najee Harris. Uh, if you will Here, speaking of the Browns, will be at home against the Steelers sitting as four and a half point favorites this week. So, Nick Chubb going back to the well, Kareem Hunt going back to the well. Where do you kind of rank Hunt though? Because again, everyone's starting Nick Chubb at this point. Kareem Hunt for me, he's still firmly in that low end RB2 range. I would start him ahead of guys like Clyde, like Ramondre Stevenson him versus guys like Jeff Wilson, Antonio Gibson is where it gets tougher for me. If you can be a lead back with some sort of semblance of that pass down role, because let's face it, Kareem Hunt, even though he is the primary pass catcher, it's not like they're just throwing him eight targets per game either. Overall kind of rest of the season ranking-ish thoughts on Kareem Hunt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have him somewhere in the 20 to 30 range most of the time. I am a little bit higher this week with the thought that he might get a little, he might get more involved against a tougher defense than what we've seen for, uh Chubb before. And yeah, I mean he's in the same range as like a Sanders and Wilson and others. I have him a little bit higher this week than you do, but it's it's a matter of margin. It's, it's tight margins here. You're just never gonna have him with uh without an injury to Nick Chubb. You're never really gonna confidently be able to put him in the top 20, but you should never really keep him outside of the top 30, I don't think, either.
0: Browns again facing off this week against the Steelers, also one and one. And Kevin, when we first spoke this year, I set the over-under on the Trubisky experience at two and a half games. We're almost there so far. You know, I don't want to say so good because it's been terrible. Like, I want to see Kenny Pickett. I really just want to see Kenny Pickett at this point. Are we going to get it though, man? Because we've seen Tomlin do this enough where I, I I, think Tomlin probably could help get this team to eight and nine, maybe even nine and eight, even if Trubisky is going to be under center. I just like, what are we doing here, man? Like, have we not seen enough of Trubisky at this point? Deontay Johnson looks great. George Pickens, like every single beat writer, like that I've n- almost never seen as glowing of reviews about this guy. And now he can't catch a ball in the game because seemingly of Trubisky, Chase Claypool, Talented guy, even if you don't like that one time last year when he celebrated a first down. Najee Harris, hey, you know, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's still doing things. I don't think he's, you know, a bad running back by any stretch of the imagination. So we have all these players, Kevin, and they're not doing anything. Who else is there to point the finger at?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was bad for four years with Chicago and now he's bad. You know, he had <laughs> like half a game, I guess, where he was good for the bills. So is, is that what convinced people that he could be something? Yeah. I, I've been ranting about this on any platform I can possibly find <laughs> for weeks. Kenny Pickett is 24 years old. It, there's no reason. There's no reason to wait. If you say, we don't want him to get killed behind the offensive line. Well, guess what? That offensive line is not going to change this season. That's it. This is your offensive line for this season. And why would you redshirt him, knowing that you would be two and zero right now? I'm I'm very I'm almost I'm positive with the fact that you would be two and zero if you had Pickett there. Um, so why throw away any more games? I guess we just need you know we need a couple more losses. And this is not exactly a game uh, on Thursday where it's for sure going to be a loss for them against the Cleveland Browns, but we really got to be p- praying for a loss because we heard George, uh, George Pickett. he told us he was, a, he was open 90% of the time. I have no reason to doubt him. Yet three targets, one catch, 23 yards. How is that possible? 90% of the time he was open. I-, I don't know.
0: Week one, I mean, he got loose downfield. Could have been like a 90-yard house call on Eli Apple and, oh, guess what, overthrown. Might not have much of a choice this week. This one uh, surprised me. So the Cleveland Browns this year have allowed six Six yards before contact on rush attempts on 39 carries. I mean, there are a couple other teams. The Colts have somehow allowed zero. The Lions just three. But the Browns truly. And that was one of the reasons why last week, you know, one of my bull calls was thinking Elijah Moore was going to go off. And no, it didn't work out. But Flacco going for 300 plus and four touchdowns. I would like to say the process was right. As you know, my entire family leaves me. And, you know, we're just going bankrupt over my Elijah Moore call. But looking ahead to this week, like, maybe this is finally the Pickens breakout, man, because he has been out there all the time, and this has kind of now been a two-week lull. DFS streets, maybe, Kevin. I know you do some later week articles on, you know, the potential tournament blowups, but for me, at least for Showdown, George Pickens seems like the guy that I'm going to be, you know, really trying to captain.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a, a tournament sort of play, but you're just hoping the the Browns are good for one, at least one, 75-yard coverage bus touchdown per game. So you just have to hope that goes to the guy that that you're choosing because that's probably the best way for Mr. Trubisky to put some points on the board is if someone is running free with uh, no, no defenders within 10 yards of them.
0: Yeah, and I will say uh, Denzel Ward under current defensive coordinator Joe Woods, he's only been asked to shadow one time. That actually was last year, Week Seventeen against Deontay Johnson. So if there is one cornerback to be afraid of in Cleveland, it's Denzel Ward. Not expecting him to be on George Pickens. And no, like don't bench Deontay Johnson just because of the tough matchup tiebreaker. Okay, and yeah, this is just not really a good game. Why did the Thursday night gods give us this game? We may never know. Ravens sitting at one and one man just such a great Lamar Jackson performance and it's fun to talk about two and stuff too he earned you know getting all the love most of the love I guess after it but just seeing Lamar continue to do all this with so little you know help on the offense you know Ronnie Stanley still working his way back and Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman are great I'm not trying to slander those guys but I just don't know what else Lamar needs to do Kevin to stop the slander I don't think it's ever going to stop and whatever I guess let people hate this is incredible, though, man. Like, yes, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes being 2-0, I understand why they should be at the top of most MVP races. But, man, I picked the Ravens to win the AFC uh, North because I just thought, you know, you get a little bit healthier on defense, which we saw kind of quickly go south last week. So we'll see if they can uh, improve that at some point. But, you know, I don't really have a point here other than Lamar Jackson's fucking awesome, man. I love watching him every week. Yeah, I mean, the first half was probably
1: the best half of football I've seen from any quarterback this year. Now – he did fumble a fourth and one snap where they were right at the goal Ah, line.
0: So that drive, Kevin, 18 plays, 10 minutes and 52 seconds, zero points.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to put that on him, that's fine. But if you, how he actually played outside of that was just fantastic. And this Ravens team, just like last year, they cannot run the ball. They cannot run the ball outside of Lamar Jackson. So he was doing everything. Now that said, my concern about this offense, if there is one, and maybe this is concern about Rashad Bateman to a to a degree also, is like, yeah, you're starting Rashad Bateman. You're good to go. A lot of big plays, though. We're talking about back-to-back weeks of huge touchdowns they've had there. He is in the top five and is scoring over expectation. You're just not normally going to have those big plays. He's only running 70-ish percent of routes. He's not a guy who's out there like Jamar Chase has run 100% of all, every single route he's been out there. So he's off of the field sometimes. There are things like that to be concerned about. And from Lamar Jackson, too, a lot of big plays there. He had the very long 79-yard touchdown run, too. So those are not sustainable. Um, There's going to be a little bit of of a regression there. But as far as proving, like, football people wrong, Lamar Jackson cannot be a better environment for doing that because they can't run the ball at all. This is not a scheme system. This is not a system thing. This is a Lamar Jackson thing.
0: And again, like my point earlier about people just, I don't know what it's going to take to stop the slander. Like there's just always going to be some, you know, ESPN analyst that stands up there and say, oh no, he needs to win more from the pocket. He's just not winning enough from the pocket. So I wanted to, you know, actually try to check these things instead of just repeating the same damn shit, you know, week after week without actually bringing anything to back it up. And this season, most yards per attempt on straight dropbacks, excluding rollouts, excluding scrambles. I even took screens out of the picture. Number one is Tua. Number two, Lamar Jackson. So I don't know what else we need to do. He's freaking on point in the pocket. He's incredible rushing, and he's not doing it with that much. Like, again, all due respect to Bateman and Andrews, but – Lamar Jackson, Kingstead Kings, and we've seen that this year. With Bateman, it is one of those things, Kevin, where we have seen a little bit more funky usage out of Baltimore with how they kind of rotate their wide receivers and tight ends at times. I guess my only kind of comeback to the Bateman regression talk is I don't know if this team can get back to running. You know, J.K. Dobbins practices in full last week. Harbaugh calls them week to week. You look at the running backs they have. Kenyon Drake this year. 39 rushing yards on 17 carries. Justice So has 20 on five. Mike Davis has 15 on seven. Like Lamar Jackson is the offense. And as much as they want to party like it's 2019 again, I see no kind of just end in sight for them to be able to even start running the ball.
1: Yeah, no, no. I I agree there. I guess my only other other thing that I would say is Lamar Jackson has actually been making Devin Duvernay and Demarcus Robinson look pretty good. So he's not like reliant upon Rashad Bateman, the way he's playing right now, he's kind of reliant upon uh, Mark Andrews, like Mark Andrews is going to get his no matter what, if a week, two weeks, three weeks went by with Rashad Bateman is not getting enough targets isn't getting those big plays. It's kind of has a down stretch that can happen, I believe, in this offense because he is good enough getting the ball to where it needs to go. Get it to all the different receivers. And, you know, Devin DuVernay, he's, he's way over expectation for, so far this year on his scoring too. how good he's been throwing to him. And Demarcus Robinson is looks like kind of like it was when he was with Patrick Mahomes, where he can be useful every now and again, at least as a third option.
0: Moving on to the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals lost to Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. That's a that's a tough one to swallow. Kevin, I want that meme of, you know, Joe Burrow like getting sacked, and then you know, you have to open Jamar Chase. But I just want him getting sacked, you know, with Panay or whatever. And then him also getting sacked like in every other scenario. Because my God, the, the, what is it at this point? We heard all offseason about Lel Collins now being the bodyguard there at right tackle. They retooled the offensive line and he just keeps getting sacked. So looking at, you know, his average time to throw. Over the past two seasons, 2.62. I mean, that ranks 32nd among 47 quarterbacks. So he's actually been an above-average quarterback and getting the ball out of his hands. But my God, league high, I want to say it's 96 sacks since he's entered the league. PFF, Kevin, has done some studies in the past showing that quarterback, you know, pressures and sacks, Actually more of an indictment usually on the quarterback as opposed to the offensive line. Is that what we're seeing here or is it just a mixture of Burrow should maybe get the ball out quicker in this offensive line? Like, please get in front of somebody with all due respect to having faced arguably the top two pass rushers in the league and TJ Watt and Micah Parsons on the edge. at least. I'm not trying to put anyone ahead of Aaron Donald, but overall thoughts on this passing game and can they fix it?
1: Yeah, I think they can fix it. It's been an unfortunate start having to go against these two defenses and the fact that they provide pressure. And, yeah, Burrow's been pressured a lot. His offensive line has been bad, according to the numbers that I have, which look at time to pressure and then kind of allocate how many sacks belong to the offensive line versus Burrow. But then Burrow is still primarily responsible for all of these sacks. And, yeah, is like I said, tough defenses to go against. They're getting pressure on him. But it's the quarterback's responsibility to not take a sack, even if you are pressured, e- e- pressured, even if you're pressured quickly, you have to be able to avoid taking a sack on here. Uh, just to give some numbers for what he's been doing these last couple of seasons. I mean, he's taking a sack last year. Um on nearly 30 percent of his pressures this year it's up to nearly 40 percent of his pressures it doesn't really matter how often you're being pressured you cannot take sacks almost every other time that you're pressured you have to sometimes be be able and willing to get rid of the ball so i'm going to put most of it on burrow but his offensive line is not helping either
0: looking ahead to this week they are going to be at the jets still five point road favorites game total at 45 you're still probably going to be riding with Burrow in more leagues than not, but we know he's kind of in that tier of guys. Like if you want to put a Stafford ahead of him because of the matchup, I don't think that's egregious. Obviously and Higgins and Mixon in the lineup. Hayden Hurst though, starting to emerge as maybe one of these tight end streamers that you can actually get behind with Dalton Schultz out of the picture. I believe Drew Sample got hurt last week. We'll keep an eye on that. But even in week one, Hayden Hurst was having some pretty good usage numbers looking at specifically week two, 87% routes on Joe Burrow's dropbacks. Only tight ends of more Dallas Goddard, Tyler Conklin, Cole Komet, somehow I guess when it's 10 dropbacks you know you'll get there Kyle Pitts Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey so Hayden Hurst Kevin for you is that someone that we can actually start to look at as more of a borderline tight end one after really you know just being ignored throughout most of the offseason
1: I won't say borderline tight end one I'll say usable if you picked him up and you know your guy has kind of gone poof or was just a speculative sort of guy he's someone that you can end up starting here and let's remember Hayden Hurst you know more draft capital behind him than Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Let's never forget that. He's going to have the poor guy. He's going to have that attached to to his, to him for the rest of his career. So high end talent, first round talent.
0: I mean, he lost his job to Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. Like, if you're going to get fired, like, I should probably should be to those guys. I have Hirsch ranked tight end 14 this week, which I guess you know you could even say that's more high end tight end two than borderline. Yeah, I think high end <laughs> tight high
1: end TE two is really your 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 target, your hope for him. Going
0: I, do, I do have Hurst just ahead of guys like Earth Smith, Robert Tunyon, David Njoku, Mike Desicki, who are gonna, I think, just face a little bit more competition. for targets. Obviously, though, like we saw T. Higgins play last week through that concussion. If we do ever see either of Higgins or Chase miss some time, Boyd and Hayden Hurst going to be the main beneficiaries. A little bit of Mike Thomas, the other Mike Thomas as well, of course. AFC South. First place Jaguars, Kevin. What a time to be alive. They had the division's only win at this point. That one kind of surprised me as I was uh, putting the show sheet together. But one and one. Trevor Lawrence, I was not impressed at all in week one. I wouldn't say I was uber impressed in week two, but he at least limited the mistakes, and his stat line would have been a lot better if Jamal Agnew, I'm not sure why he was the one they dialed up the deep ball to, but really well thrown from Lawrence, hit Agnew in the chest, just couldn't come down with the 40-yard catch. But the one guy that's not impressed me the most, Kevin, you know, team watched the film here, Christian Kirk, and just what he's been able to do in the slot, looking just elusive as all hell. He's now my wide receiver 13 on the week in full PPR scoring. Just I don't if zay jones marvin jones evan ingram these other guys even etn throw them in there i'm not sure if lawrence is going to be able to enable more than one guy but christian kirk man has gone from the most overpaid wide receiver ever to someone that i think needs to be in fantasy lineups of all shapes and sizes here moving forward
1: yeah he's a confident guy you start every single week now no one else really fits that definition on this team here's an interesting factoid you mentioned they're the only team with a victory so uh, There's been there have been two matchups already this year where two AFC South teams played each other. Yet the entire division only has one win. That's one of these riddles. Like how is that? Is that you need you need that's like you need a abacus or something. You need something to figure out how that is even possible. Um, so yeah, they, they can, they can with this division where we're looking at how bad everyone else is there. And I guess for the backfield, I mean, I'm still holding out some hope that eventually etn will emerge more there i know everyone seems to love jane robinson i mean he had the long touchdown last week he wasn't you know very effective i would say down the stretch when they were salting things away but then again maybe they were just salting away a very easy victory against the colts last week those guys are well robinson is probably the only one you can really start of those two if you have to but if you have to start him you're not probably looking great at the running back position before we even get into bye weeks and injuries and all that stuff
0: Give him a little bit of credit. 64 rushing yards in week two, 65 rushing yards after contact. So the Jaguars were struggling to win that line of scrimmage. Last point on Christian Kirk. Uh, Kevin, you've talked in the past about expected points and how at wide receiver, like, we can buy a little bit more into the talent than just, like, yes. pure volume. So this year we've actually had the top wide receivers, top 10 wide receivers in terms of just total fantasy points above expectation. Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Jahan Dotson, Rashad Bateman, Cooper Cup. Devin Duvernay, Jalen Waddle, Christian Kirk, and our guy, Amon Ross St. Brown. So again, love, love, love when some of these uh, analytics actually match what we're seeing on the field. That's what it's all about at the end what, of the day. One
1: other thing for the, for the expected points. The one thing you have to look at where it can be deceiving when it's above is if you have touchdowns. Like Jahad Dodson, I mean, he's fine. He has three touchdowns, 1.2 expected. So he's driving a lot of that value there. Kirk actually is a little bit he's two touchdowns versus 1.2 expected so a little bit more but he's not getting like a huge bump from that he's getting a bump from earning targets making catches uh you know generating yards the type of stuff that's a little bit stickier going forward
0: this week at the chargers and just chargers and bills defenses. Again, looking awfully uh, good to start the year chargers are seven point favorites game total resting at 47 and a half. This should like ETN truthers. If you're still out there, like this should be the game where he gets going because in week one, we did see a 50, 50 snap rate week two the Jaguars were able to play with the lead the whole time. So it did trend towards Robinson. I still only have ETN ranked as my RB 30 and not even seems a little bit high as I'm saying it, you know, out loud to all these listeners right now. But uh, man, again, just tough to get by, but this should be uh, the game where hopefully they can get in some comeback mode and ETN all of a sudden gets to seven to eight targets. Like we were never thinking we, as in, you know, someone that drafted ETN a lot in the in, in round four drafts uh, this past offseason, I was never under the assumption we were going to be looking at an 80, 90% snap roll. I thought that was the best case scenario. My common comparison was that this could be a DeAndre Swift type situation where hopefully he's able to get six to eight targets and, you know, get, you know, half the rush attempts or so alongside Robinson. So don't overreact still a two week sample. And this is still a two running back backfield so you know a lot of these situations uh you know miami jacksonville uh, even the jets with ty johnson hijinks aside even though we even though it's frustrating even though we can't necessarily you know the rams as well we can't necessarily lean on any one of these guys for this week it still only is two running backs and god forbid something happens to them either Etienne or james robinson would suddenly be on the cover of every single waiver wire article or just you know a locked in rb1 but moving on to the biggest disappointment maybe in the nfl right now man the colts 0-1 and one that's how that works out and they deserve this they deserve this man like they could not go a week without slandering Carson Wentz the entire offseason this was a team last year that if you just look at their point differential I mean this it was incredible that the Colts didn't make the playoffs and the Raiders did uh when you know you consider the Colts were like plus 160 or something compared to the Raiders so That's karma, man. I don't know how else to say it. With that said, it is just two games. You know, we saw them embarrassingly lose in week one last year as well. They just can't seem to get, you know, the Jaguars out of the way when they are playing uh, in Jacksonville. So, unfortunately, not getting any easier this week facing the Chiefs at home. Kansas City favored by four, game total of 50 and a half. But overall thoughts on Matt Ryan so far, Kevin, because to be fair, week 1 multiple drop touchdown passes and week 2 you take away Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce. I think you take away most quarterbacks top two wide receivers, probably not going to be as good.
1: I agree, but at the same point we'd be we wouldn't be making excuses for Carson Wentz probably in a similar situation we yeah. just say he stinks. You know, if you're getting um the goose egg here, that's that's not good. Not good at all. Um a couple of different notes that I have on this game. One I think Paris Campbell he's officially RIP we can finally bury him if you haven't already I mean he's he's pretty much there's just a couple of extra you know spoonfuls of dirt to throw on top of him so he's completely dead if he's not going out in this situation and this is not a fantasy take but I think we are close to potentially seeing like Frank Reich and Chris Ballard get fired at the end of this season you know baller's been there since 2017 and it's weird because they haven't been a hugely successful franchise other than a i guess a divisional round playoff run with andrew luck a number of years back obviously they've had this all these issues of quarterback other things but i don't know this feels like i'd be surprised if there was if there was more rope put out for this if they embarrass themselves like this the entire rest of the season. And I know the Titans aren't looking at anything, but if the Jacksonville Jaguars win this division, <laughs> I have to think that it's the end for those two, which is kind of surprising. Cause I feel like those would both be two coveted guys somewhere else. But th- that's one thing to keep a watch on when we're talking about who's, who's on the hot seat. Those two guys I think are on a little bit of a hot seat here. Um, this is bad. This is really bad
0: if they keep looking at the team thinking that they've solved the quarterback problem and they keep not solving it, all of a sudden, I think that finger will be pointed somewhere else. It's a great point, but yeah, just to kind of put Ryan's start in the context last year on this Colts team and you all, you know, keep talking about how bad Carson Wentz was last year and I get it. He wasn't good, but he still didn't throw his fourth interception until week 12, last season matt ryan is already at that mark pff's 26 ranked passer among 34 quarterbacks this year yeah he's been bad we can make some excuses for it hopefully he gets a little yeah, better d-
1: dead last in epa per play uh so far this season yeah i mean wentz was one of those guys where everyone says because he was he was actually 17th overall last year in his in his efficiency but you know he had a lot of turnover worthy plays dropped interceptions other things that weren't so good it was one of those things where even if you got better quarterback play, you wouldn't necessarily get better results because the results were actually okay with Wentz. Not we're not getting even the same results, and that's that's going to look bad.
0: At least Wentz giving us some highs, and like it, Wentz hasn't been a complete world beater this year. Like he has five turnover-worthy plays in his own right, but Derek Carr and Matt Ryan do lead the league with six turnover-worthy play Commander rates. And- fans kind of like him. It's it's weird. It's one of those things where if he
1: has no <laughs> expectations, he had yeah. expectations coming in with the Colts, right? If he has no expectations, you're like, oh, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to watch this guy wins it up every now and again because we didn't <laughs> expect to – we're not expecting to win the division or whatever anyway, so it's more fun than watching Taylor Heineke play.
0: Like they, He's at least shown the ability to be good at sometimes. Yeah. That's a lot better than bad all the time like we usually had to deal with last season. Unfortunately, in fantasy, we have our Jonathan Taylor. If he's healthy, we have Michael Pittman. Other than that, probably just a good idea to stay away. Naeem Hines should still be on rosters, but we're not seeing enough usage to thank Frank Reich telling us, you know, he did – He got us again. <laughs> you, you little like, yeah. He yeah. got us again. Frank, us Rick, again. Frank Reich, terrible fantasy football. We now, <laughs> we now know that after uh, giving out that advice. Ashton Doolin, if you're freaking desperate, okay, I guess, but just not really looking good. Let's move on to the Houston Texans. Oh, one and one. Never forget, they uh, punted at the 50-yard line in an overtime game, you know, with like 15 seconds left. So no interest in seemingly winning this year and look no further than basically every single transaction they've made over the past two seasons. Like I'm not hating on these players. I am hating on uh, just again, they're clearly not trying to win Uh, good job, I guess. So offense hasn't gained 300 yards in a game yet. They're facing the bears this week in Chicago bears favored by three game total 40 and a half Brandon cooks still going to get the volume. He actually dropped a short six yard touchdown last week. So I'm not too worried about that. I think the only other point here to kind of talk about kevin is what to make of damian pierce he did get back actually was treated as a starter took every single early down rush attempt but still man and this was my concern in the preseason why i didn't want to draft him in round five when he you know he was on a rocket ship to the moon he's still the early down back for houston texans offense that's objectively terrible and they have been terrible like this is the league's worst backfield in terms of expected fantasy points over the past three seasons. Damian Pierce, this week for me, he's RB34. That's a nice boost. But even Pierce versus guys like Michael Carter, Tony Paul, or Devin Singletary, like, I'm not going to go punch you in the face if you say you want to start Pierce over them, Kevin. But I, I still think it's close. And it's a shame that when we have Damian Pierce, again, receive such a big role and I'm still like, yeah, I don't really know if I want to start him. Yeah, I feel like
1: Pierce is one guy, and I'll mention another guy from Houston. Again, this is we're talking about the Texans here, so we're not getting too excited about anything. But Pierce is maybe a guy, if you're in a league, you could trade for and get him at like a proper value now. If someone is capitulating, someone has a couple of other starters, they may not need Pierce there. That's a possibility there. I guess Nico Collins is the other guy. Again, we're not getting excited about any of these guys. We know Brandon Cooks is the man there. Uh, but Collins was at wide receiver 46 and expected points, but he was up to wide receiver 21 uh, in week two. And, you know, Cooks hasn't been the healthiest guy. So there is like an outside chance that if Cooks gets injured um, on a week to week basis, if you're really desperate during a bye week, maybe Collins will emerge as someone with a lot of positive buzz during the offseason as someone who's usable. So if you have a long bench, maybe you can stash him there. Otherwise, I don't have much advice as far as the Houston Texans are
0: concerned. Moving right along to Tennessee Titans. 0-2 at this point. Not looking good. Obviously had that close loss to the Giants in Week 1 and then got blown the hell out by the Bills in Week 2. I don't want to completely freak out about the Week 2 game, though. Again, we saw the Bills at the Rams in Week 1. The Bills might just be, like, the best team in football by a decent margin at this point. If you look at the Titans schedule coming up, they got the Raiders, the Colts, the Commanders, and then a bye, then the Colts and Texans. So, do you think this is the beginning of a run, Kevin, where the Titans get back to being a pretty damn good football team, or this is the 2022 titans and you know unfortunately another bad team in the afc south
1: i mean pretty damn good no um like good to you know mediocre to good yes i think they can get back there i think derrick henry can get back on track i'm not certain at this point that he is you know washed or, or i thought he looked okay he just had nowhere to go this last game again Tannehill was good week one he was very efficient this game like i mentioned Quick pressure is 50% of the time. There was just nothing that he could really do uh, in this game. The one thing to note that we're all happy about, especially me as someone who had Traylon Burks as the wide receiver one coming in uh, to this year, is that the fact that he finally was out there a lot. Uh, Vrabel still, when he talks about Traylon Burks, he talks about it like – he, he looks like he's concurrently like passing a kidney stone or something. Like he hates Traylon Burke so much, but they're forced to put him on the field because they need to be able to do something. You know, he's over three yards per route run. He's actually been the most efficient yards per route run of any re- any rookie receiver this year. The problem is, in totality, he's only in the forty percent as far as routes run. But he was up around seventy percent last game. So that's what we're gonna look for going forward. Yeah, he may run the wrong routes every now and again. Maybe he's you know a little laxadaisical from time to time. But the dude's talented, and they need to have talent out on the field or else it's going to be a very very long season for this titans team
0: again unfortunately with the volume involved still tough to get behind him too much because he's not dominating targets as much as aj brown was and also aj brown just had to be a freaking monster man, man among boys in order to make the most out of that run first titans offense i'm with you i'm not you know hitting the fire alarms on derrick henry yet and what like you want to sell derrick henry at probably his lowest value ever at this point Keep starting them. I feel like this is it's it's funny, Kevin. If you look at like the top running backs, all of the top running backs last week like sucked just but now you look at their matchups this week McCaffrey, Taylor, Barkley, Cook, Eckler, Henry. They're all home and all in spots that I think we could you know easily envision that you know 100 plus two touchdown games. Everyone's getting there. Why did we draft Derrick Henry at all takes off right now? Come on, guys. How many years do we have to go through this? The guy's going to go for 103 touchdowns this week. And then the conversation is going to be, oh, why wouldn't you draft Derrick Henry in round two? Lowest point ever. So let's move on. Last division here, AFC West. Thanks, as always, for tuning in here to a lovely edition of PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Got the Kansas City Chiefs sitting atop at 2-0. If they keep this up, Kevin, and if the Bills keep this up, who's your MVP, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen?
1: I mean, Josh Allen, I think, is the MVP. I mean, I'd say Jalen Hurts might even be like second ish at this point. Then you have Mahomes, Jackson, Tua. I don't know. <laughs> I give me Tua. There's a lot of touchdowns yeah. um, last week, so I say those are the guys that are going to be in there. But no, I think Allen has been, uh, you know, at least ahead. Maybe not head and shoulders, but ahead above him because he was good in both games. Mahomes struggled a bit in that last game, and we That's saw true. that. decent amount last year we saw it periodically the year before where he can have some struggles and he did in that game but I think generally you're still happy with what you're what you're seeing if you if you have Mahomes on your roster if you have Travis Kelsey on your roster if you have CEH on your roster I think you're, you're feeling pretty good about what you've seen so far this season
0: not feeling quite as great for, you know, the Juju Smith-Schuster uh, truthers out there. Oh, yeah, that's true. We're we People were calling on this year's Cooper Cup after 30 minutes of play. It's been a rough last 90 minutes for Juju. With that said, Mahomes told us this before the season. He said, I think he literally apologized to fantasy managers and said it was going to be a different wide receiver every week. Week one, it was mostly Juju. Week two, it was me, Cole Hartman. Let's get a few more data points, you know, under our belt. No, I'm not ranking Juju as like a must-start top 24 guy. Still someone that I think you'll be hard-pressed to rank, you know, more than 30 or so wide receivers in front of mbs is the one that you know it be a lot cooler if we could at least get some air yards out there it's kind of been confusing to see how he's being used but This could be, you know, the blow up spot for all these guys. A fun stat from the always great Lord Reeves, Rich Rebar over at a sharp football analysis. But Mahomes against Gus Bradley, career 17 touchdowns and two picks. This could be a slaughter out there. And I don't think that stuff Gilmore is going to necessarily be used on any one receiver. Uh, Just looking at the way the Chiefs move them all over the field. Gilmore's only spent one snap in the slot all season long. So. Yeah, Chiefs offense still expecting more of the same. Uh, again, four-point favorites in Indianapolis at the 50.5-point game total. How are you feeling about Claude Edwards-Alaire, uh, Kevin? I think that's the only other kind of question here because – on the one hand, he's scoring touchdowns. We saw the big chunk run last week. I've never seen a guy like have open field in front of him and still, you know, keep the two hands on the ball that long. I don't know, man, like go be a playmaker. But whatever, you gain the yards, you gain the yards. With that said, he got out snapped by Pacheco in week one. And because of the game script, I get that. Jerick McKinnon in week two, this still is a three-back committee. Is Clyde, like, I don't even know if you can sell high in him because I feel like people still, like, aren't really accepting him. But would he be someone where if you can find, you know, the opportunity to swap him for, you know, an RB2 or wide receiver 2, would you make that move? Yeah, I
1: don't know if I'd make that move because, like you mentioned, I don't think anyone's valued him that highly. I think he's useful. He's, he's like useful. So if you can combine him with someone else and try to upgrade, maybe if someone thinks they're getting two useful pieces, someone who needs a running back to put in there, who they feel like they can actually start. I think that's the way to go with him. And I know this uh, wide receiver group you mentioned, you don't know who it's going to be any week. It could be anyone um, except, except Skyboard. It can't be Skyboard last week because he ran zero route. Well, he ran one route, but it was on a play. I think there was an illegal procedure or something. It didn't count. So zero routes. I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you cannot be a fantasy producer with that type of usage.
0: Moving on. We got the Denver Broncos one and one. What's your concern level for Russ in this passing game? I don't think they've been terrible. Like if you want to talk about near misses and the sheeshers like this offense, like I could probably have like a minute 30 clip already just from these first two weeks with some of these near touchdowns they've been able to have. With that said, Judy's banged up. Obviously, Tim Patrick's been out of the picture. KJ Hamler didn't necessarily have a setback, but he's also not playing after they suited him up in the preseason even. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Colton Sutton, air yards, freaking God at this point. I mean, if you just look across the league, uh, let's see. Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett. Those are the only guys with a higher percentage of their team's air yards and quote, quote and Sutton. But can just Russ and Sutton get it done? What do you think about this passing game? And did we maybe too suddenly anoint them as, you know, an offense that we just want all of in fantasy football?
1: I think all of was probably the the problem there. I mean, even I think it's good that we have clarity. I think we have strong clarity now that Corden Sutton's Sutton's the guy, twelfth in expected fantasy points so far this season. He's underperformed slightly. I think that'll turn around with Russ as your quarterback. And Jerry Judy is all the way down to 55th. So in some ways it's helpful, I think, unless you know, you have Jerry Judy on your roster, but it's helpful in some ways to at least say, we know who to start. Cause it could have been confusing. I don't know if Russ is the type of guy where you could say, you know what, let's just start them all. And he'll, he'll sort it out by getting it to so many different guys. So I think that helps. But as far as this offense as a whole is concerned, um, 0 for 6 scoring touchdowns when they've been in the red zone so far this year. Most penalized offense also in the NFL this year. So you take those two factors together and it explains some of the offensive problems. At the same time, if you're saying after your first two weeks, you're playing against the Seahawks, and you're playing against the Texans. You would have wanted some fireworks. You would have wanted some points. This is a window that you're not going to get back. So things can be a little bit tougher against other offenses going forward. But they've had some headwinds that legitimately explain at least part of the problems they've been having on offense.
0: We mentioned that 18-play Ravens drive that got zero points. This next most ridiculous sequence I saw last week was Russ goes deep for Colton Sutton. Almost makes a one-handed catch. Draws like a 44-yard DPI. Cool guy moved by Russ. Goes right back to Sutton. They call call a touchdown, review it. No, he was out of bounds. They go back to Sutton again, no catch. And then Javante Williams was open, like, at the goal line for a good, like, three seconds, and Russ finally throws it, bounces off a dude's head, somehow finds Kendall Hinton in the back of the end zone, and he can't get two feet down. So, again, would guess that there could be better days ahead for Russ. He is I'm, – I'm betting on the uh, – bounce back spot here he's my seventh ranked quarterback of the week behind only you know alan hurts mahomes jackson murray and herbert so sticking with russ over that pocket passing tier even in a tough matchup against nick bosa and company san francisco is getting the favorite by uh, one point five points, game total at forty five. What about Javante Williams here? Because I'm not gonna talk about Alberto. Sorry, everyone. Only sixty three percent routes last week. Couldn't quite improve upon that promising week one. But Javante, man, low key week one pretty damn split. But sixty five percent snap rate for Javante. I know everyone wants him to take every single snap of every single game. But I'll take sixty five percent, Kevin. Again if this offense starts scoring like we expected it to at Russ under center, Javante has 65%. It's going to be tough to keep out of the top 12 during any given week. Yeah. I mean, he is fourth
1: in expected fantasy points so far this season. I mean, then again, you know, Antonio Gibson is third. So it's not exactly like we're just pointing to the, the biggest and the best guys who we expected to be great this season, but for any scenario with Melvin Gordon there minus Melvin Gordon injury, I think this is exactly what you wanted to see. And if you told me that Javante Williams has never been tackled without at least breaking three tackles before (laughs) that. I believe you, because I don't think I've ever seen him do anything where he's not breaking at least three tackles. And that is the one component you can point to with any confidence to say running back talent. So he shows you that. Everyone sees that. uh, That is also not in doubt at all this, this season. So I think you have to feel good if you have him on your roster.
0: Before we get going to the Chargers and Raiders, I want to give a quick shout-out to a few sponsors. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. And if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings Stepped Up. Same game parlays right now for every leg you add. You can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else and to make things even sweeter? You can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility or shipping supply. See show notes for details. Also, no house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing Pick'em Con Contest versus other people for the shot at winning 250k plus in cash download the app choose a contest select your player props earn points for correct picks and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day you can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks better up to five player prop overrunners or individual player matchups across every single major sports league including nfl nba mlb pga mma and nascar sign up now with promo code fantasy PFF at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out no house advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play and you won't want to miss out on this. Los Angeles chargers, Kevin, I want to give you, hold on, full- hold on. Breaking news,
1: breaking news. I just saw oh no. something here. I was scrolling Twitter. Well, and we may we may need to go back and redo the whole Bengals section again because we just got news that Joe Burrow, has removed Twitter and Instagram from his phone. God damn it. So uh, I, I, that just, I mean, that throws all of my, I got to redo all my projections. I got <laughs> to redo the rankings, everything else. I and mean, if he did it a couple of days earlier, he's already Wednesday, but um, I don't know. I, I'm moving him up. Do you have any comments on that before we get to the Chargers?
0: I have a nice little timeline Twitter here too, so I don't miss things like that during the show. And uh, thanks, Kevin. Gave me a freaking heart attack halfway through. <laughs> so thank you uh, for that. Hey, maybe we get, uh, you know, let's, Hey, I, I, I will say this, Joe Burrow, someone that we've, we've given a lot of benefit of doubt to, Kevin, let's face it, you know, that playoff run, it's not, he wasn't exactly carrying them each and every game, made some timely throws, I saw the second half of the Chiefs and everything, but, you know, t- I don't think he won the game against the Titans by taking nine sacks, a Super Bowl performance, great throw to Chase, wasn't fantastic, if we get like another month of this, man, I'm just, I don't, I don't know that the fans are going to all of a sudden be giving him as much benefit of the doubt, especially given those wide receivers, if he's scrubbing the social media, so that's my big uh, take on that but
1: you actually have a tape. I wasn't expecting. I was not expecting it. I just feel bad for Bengals fans. Can you imagine? Yeah. They're actually thinking about this and talking about this. And pe- this is going to be like a thing for <laughs> it, it, poor, poor t- The NFL is rough, man. If you have two bad weeks that next week before your third game starts is like an eternity, basically where it's Wednesday here. And these Bengals fans have been talking about Joe Burrow sacks for two days straight. And now they're going to be talking about whether or not, you know, he's on social media too much. How yeah, this is rough. It's rough. It's rough out there. So, Stay strong,
0: Bagels fans. I I heard uh, Sean Payton talk. I I forget where. He's been talking all over the place uh, with with this uh, off year for him. But I think he was mentioning how how tough it is to kind of get guys to buy in the changes after a loss. And he was just explaining how best case early in the season is like went ugly, where you still got guys like, all right, we won the game, but guys, we can be so much better out here unfortunately, since he hasn't had the chance to do that just yet. If they lose against the Jets this week, man, that's going to be that's gonna be a rough one. I might have to go peep out my uh, Cincinnati blinds and see if they've got some riots going on or anything like that. But what I was trying to lead you into, Kevin, yeah, after my it. It ad, right? you had
1: a uh, – Herbert very... doesn't even have social media as far as I know. So, like, it's a good, you, good transition. Good transition right you, to Justin Herbert. You had
0: a very viral – Expected points discussion about that Chargers Chiefs game last week. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I thought it made These fans eno- loved it. I thought it made enough sense. But, uh, you know, if you want to explain basically where that came from, what you said, and how, uh, basically all Twitter turned on you for like 20 minutes, or maybe even more than that. But what I will say is what I found uh, funny is, you know, I've seen you post analytics stuff before that fans just can't wrap their minds around like Jeff Schwartz big time football guy I think he does a good job of like calling out some bullshit sometimes but even he like wouldn't actually put down what you were saying here talk about why the Chargers in terms of the expected points in that game should have won comfortably against the Chiefs last week
1: yeah. Yeah. I think it's really more, it was, it was two different things here. One was the terminology where I called it an adjusted score. So people were having fun with that. There was actually some quality material in the quote tweets where this guy had like a picture of washboard stomach. He's like, those are my adjusted abs <laughs> and like a picture of a beautiful woman. He's like, this is my adjusted girlfriend. It's all those sorts of things. I thought that oh, those are great. Thumbs up, thumbs up to the chief's kingdom on that one. But it was just really saying, let's look at like success rates versus some of these outlier plays. Let's downweight things like, you know, dropped interceptions or interceptions that happened that were not turnover-worthy plays. Try to figure out, get a better score in that. And I think we all watched that game and thought the Chargers were probably the better team. But the reason people are really upset is maybe my score differential saying it was 26-15 was a bit wider than some people really thought. And I also put the word much into the tweet. So we put it in a tweet. you just say they were better. I said they were much better. And boom. That was triggered. It got thrown all over the place. But I I ended up getting like hundreds of followers in it. The thing that's funny about social media is those guys don't yell at you. So they're just silently following you. And people (laughs) are upset that you are yelling at you. But it it didn't bother me at all. Uh, I went after the Giants this week. So I'll find a new fan base next week.
0: Look the chiefs ended up winning that game by three points. Like that pick six was a 14. Wasn't it like minus 13 EPA on like, yeah, that yeah, it was the play? biggest
1: play by almost two times versus But here's my larger point on it. Okay. So they're playing each other. Talk about learning. We're just trying to learn here. People they're playing each other. The chiefs were anywhere between a three and a half and four and a half point favorite going into the game. They win by three points. Now, if that's how much better they were, if they were really three points better and that's fundamental, they would play again and the spread would be exactly the same because that's, that's about as close as you can, you can be. Three is the most common score differential. But I believe if they played again this week, it would be three points. It might be two and a half points because people saw the Chargers being better. So my adjusted score, I know you hate the, that terminology, right. people, but my adjusted score more accurately reflects our changing expectations, in my opinion, than the actual score.
0: The, the adjusted wife bed is pretty awesome like the yeah, there's
1: a lot of adjusted ones I I, I I i couldn't help it i was even using it myself like i took a picture i went on this hike and it said there have been an average of seven drownings per year and i said well how many adjusted drownings yeah i was i was getting into the act too i have to say it was it was fun
0: kevin started slandering himself i fucking yeah. love that's it that's
1: the only way to do it you can't be owned if you own yourself
0: chargers this week facing the jaguars seven point favorites game total at 47 and a half we'll keep an eye on the herbert rib injury i mean i don't think i've ever seen a player like just literally give up in the middle of the play out of sheer pain and then he throws a freaking touchdown after that you know just i think it's
1: worse than the Jameis injury like seriously everyone freaked out about the Jameis thing but romo had this in the past he had a great season it's really just a pain management sort of thing the ribs man that's tough if you get hit If you get hit, because sometimes you have to throw the ball because it can affect how you release the ball. Because if you release the ball properly, you leave your rib cage completely exposed. So it, 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 it could be that could be more it could be more of a factor than people are. Are thinking about whereas everyone was flipping out about james's broken he, he needed a backyotomy and everything else that James needed
0: it's still tough to be like too concerned about a fantasy wise just this week. I mean, I did move Herbert, you know we've had these kind of same top six quarterbacks, and so I now have them at the bottom of that tier. but if you have Herbert, you're still starting him if Keenan Allen remains out, get Mike Williams in the lineups yeah. of all shapes and no, sizes I, I don't care he could if get knocked out he
1: could get knocked out for 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 a series or something though I mean I'm just yeah. saying it's possible that's it is that's, possible yeah.
0: Any real Austin Eckler concerns? You know, Sony Michelle got one goal line carry, and now we're all convinced that Eckler is never going to score a touchdown again. I, I still see someone that can catch ten passes during each and get each and every week. If you want to rank him more RB eight instead of like RB three where you drafted him, that's fine. But once again, like you want to sell low on Eckler at this point? No, he's still someone that's going to be starting every single week throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things if you knew what you know now before the beginning of the season, you would have moved Eckler down a couple of spots, but he's plenty solid enough uh, of a player. And I don't think we have to look out and say, this is going to be a three-man backfield forever. We don't know how it's going to play out for the entire rest of the season. And there's, there's a good chance that it'll, it'll narrow a bit as, you know, as, as the season goes on too. So yeah, no, no concerns, but you're a little disappointed by how things have played out, but that's the way it goes sometimes.
0: Final notes here, our sleeper of the day, powered by sleeper favorite redraft platform out there they do some good dynasty stuff too of course now, we got Gerald Everett. He's done some really good things for us, you know, just being absolutely gassed and trying to call himself off the field and then having to pick six aside. Like, I'm not really going to blame that on Gerald Everett. With that said, we're still seeing guys like Trey McKitty and even, you know, Richard Rogers play some snaps ahead of him and run some routes. Even Donald Parham has been out of the picture with the hamstring injury, but he's going to come back and do that as well. With that said, Kevin, I remember last year looking at the Chargers tight ends and being like, every single week, I saw the three guys involved, so I just kind of ignored it, but then I looked up at the end of the year and Jared cook had like 85 targets but he was 35 year old jared cook so he didn't do anything with them clearly Gerald everett is making good use of him where do you stand on the Gerald everett kind of debate here where it's like is he going to keep producing like a top 10 tight end because even if he doesn't have the best usage he's got freaking justin herbert under center or do you think especially once parham come back we're looking at more of a boomer bust tight end too type?
1: no i think he's going to keep producing at that but you know there can be some boom and bust and anyone who's in the back half of the of tight end one so I believe in him and I think what's important about his profile when we're talking about this team you know Keenan Allen's been injured but even if Allen's not injured Allen uh Mike Williams Austin Eckler underneath. We're not talking about necessarily like explosive athletes. Everett's uh, like you know, the
0: best yak guy that got on the roster. Yeah,
1: field. I know that's, that's what, that, that was going to be my point. Yeah, I mean Everett is the best athlete I think in that receiver core. Other than when you know they toss in a long play down the field every now and now and again, but you're just not going to get that consistently like the, the DeAndre Carter sort of stuff consistently. So I think he is he adds an element if you're going to throw a screen to someone um he's gonna be matched up against a linebacker he might be your best option to 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 get yards after the catch and we saw that be very successful unfortunately it was so successful that he was worn out and uh (laughs) didn't run the right route and everything went well not didn't run the right route but didn't 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 go the right positioning anyway and you know lost the game because of it but what happened before can't be forgotten also
0: Final note, Josh Palmer, if Keenan Allen's out of the picture again, we should be feeling pretty good. And just someone that you should be feeling good about in general. Talked about us with Nathan Yankee on our waiver wire show, but if Palmer's still out there, I do think you can feel good about him because even in week one, like he, he's now the definitive number three ahead of Jalen Guyton. That was the concern there. When Josh Palmer, he's only had five career games now with over 60% of the snaps, score a touchdown in four of those. And Look, even if you don't give a shit about Josh Palmer, it's just Justin Herbert's number two or number three receiver during any given week. You should feel good enough about that. So, not going wild. He's my wide receiver 36 on the week, but I would stop, start Palmer ahead of guys like Tyler Lockett, Sterling Shepard, and Kevin's least favorite player in the NFL, Jacoby Myers. So, let's knock out this last team here. <laughs> I not think against them. It's just like, we don't need to talk about him Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Exactly. So, Raiders sitting at 0-2 at this point. Devontae Adams, 12 yards last week. Shout out byron murphy jr shadow coverage was even moving into the slot against the man which you don't really see often out of these corners so fantastic game from byron murphy still devontae adams he scored a touchdown but overall thoughts on this raiders passing game i will say Derek carr he's had to deal with again a really good performance from murphy and he got to face the chargers in week one I will say though, two weeks, he hasn't gone over 300 yards. Like I think pretty trendy, kind of like dark horse. Like this guy could lead the league in passing yards. What have you thought about what Josh McDaniels has brought to the Raiders passing game through two weeks?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's fine. You know, the big comeback aside, you can't really necessarily pin that on anyone. Maybe that hurt some of their offense in the second half, not putting the, the gas pedal down there. I mean, when it comes to Derek Carr, I just don't understand why we're redefining these guys what is this, his his eighth season, his ninth season or something like that? He's Derek Carr. You know, he's not going to throw even for 30 touchdowns. That's just not what he does. I mean, maybe in an outlier type of year, that's where he'll he'll get. But I think people view him much differently than Kirk Cousins, who puts up 30 touchdowns, you know, pretty consistently, and Derek Carr, who's more like a 20-touchdown type of guy. So he is who he is. We just shouldn't have put these sorts of expectations on him. I think the more – Interesting takeaway in this one or trying to figure out what you're going to do is what you're going to do with Hunter Renfro here as someone who was drafted you know, in the mid early digit rounds. Um, can you sell them now? Because I, I don't know. I might look to do that, but I don't know if anyone's buying at this point.
0: Yeah, it's not looking great. He might. I think I did see he was in the concussion protocol after that uh, Mm. end-of-the-game moment there. Big hit by Isaiah Simmons, so we'll see what Renfro. But yeah, I mean, if Derek Carr is not going to take that step forward, there's definitely not going to be enough meat on the bone for both Waller and Renfro to get going. And Waller's kind of been living a lot on that touchdown upside so far as well. The one guy I do want to talk about ahead of this matchup in Tennessee, Raiders favored by two, game total of 46. Josh Jacobs, you said it before, Kevin, like our way of kind of cutting through the bullshit with running backs can be, you know, looking at what they do with the missed tackles and yards after contact uh, to an extent as well. And this year, Josh Jacobs, third among 38 qualified running backs and missed tackles for us per carry. He's eighth in yards after contact per carry. Raiders offensive line hasn't been great. So I think that's why we haven't seen Jacobs put up the sort of counting numbers alongside it. But man, last week, like to to me, probably like the single most impressive running back with the ball in his hands was Josh Jacobs after getting through the games. He's not running a ton of routes. You know, we saw Brandon Bolden in week one take that. Bolden missed week two. Amir Abdullah ended up taking uh, that role from him there. But, you know, like he still had a higher route participation rate than guys like Kareem Hunt and Tony Pollard last week. I know you said before, like we're here talking about Josh Jacobs, but like really, what is the difference between like Josh Jacobs' role and someone like an Antonio Gibson or a David Montgomery or even like at the highest end of things, a Jonathan Taylor? Like I feel like Jacobs, when we see this Raiders offense get back on track of, little bit in the scoring department it's not gonna be surprising if we look at the box score and see he fell into the end zone a couple times
1: yeah yeah you 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 had me until the jonathan taylor part. (laughs) that's what you may have i should have shut up you may have overstepped there i was
0: like yeah yeah and then i was like "Mm,
1: i don't know (laughs) i don't know i don't know about that one um yeah yeah, he needs he needs a touchdown if he had a touchdown you know if he got a rushing touchdown which he's been under expectation so far this year but even with expectation he's not like a high-end sort of workload guy Whatever you start him as your second running back, and you feel okay about it. That's 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 it. That's me. That's my Josh Jacobs uh, take. Is that you know, everyone, he was one of those guys in the off season where him, David Montgomery would be another perfect example where it becomes this thing where you say he doesn't have the upside. So then they just start moving further and further down. And it's like, you could find these guys who have very little path to like a median outcome that looks any good. And you could say, well, I'm still going to draft those guys before a Josh Jacobs or a David Montgomery, because their high end stuff is down so low. And then lo and behold, where, you know, you wish you had a Josh Jacobs right now that you could put into your lineup rather than a lot of these other question marks who haven't up panning out this season.
0: This is the benefit of not of, of me not doing solo pods, Kevin. When I say something really freaking stupid, like putting Jonathan <laughs> Taylor in the same sentence, it was, just, it was just too hot. I it don't know if it was hot.
1: stupid. I mean, you, you can get you can get paid for these sorts of takes. Okay, I, I got. In I'm a flow. just feeling you in a little bit. That's all.
0: The, the words were flowing. I was feeling good. You brought me back in, Kevin. So I appreciate you. And guess what, everyone? We're gonna be right back with more of the same. Gonna be breaking down the NFC again. This is our new pod format. Waivers on Tuesday. Kevin and I going through every AFC NFC team on Wednesday. Might have some short hitting stuff on Thursday, but we'll be back on Friday with injury stuff. From my guy, Nick Botterford, and then obviously Dwayne McFarlane returns every Sunday night to review all the games. So, Kevin, before we get on the NFC and our lovely next podcast, anything else you want to go for? chest?
1: No, no, no. I mean, quarterback rankings I got on the site. I got to plug my, my podcast, Unexpected Points. Get those adjusted scores that everyone will mock so you know okay. what everyone's yeah. making fun of me about. And uh, that's it, man. I'm just, I'm just uh, happy, excited, glad to be doing this
0: with you. Me too, my brother. And yes, everyone, I'm not doing the positional previews anymore. If you like that information, don't worry. I was literally using my articles as a show sheet, so that's still all on PFF.com. You can get my streamers of the week, bold calls, pissed off calls, and rankings, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Wide receiver tight ends come out Thursday, quarterback, running backs come out Wednesday. Always a great day to be great over at PFF.com. For Kevin, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.